Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God So today, I'm going to jump right in. Our services have felt a little long lately. I love that. Amen. like that. <laughs> Whoa. Um, but we feel like the meet and greet time is just so good. It's so not normal church, but it's so good that you love each other for a moment at least. You know, it's, it's hard to lock people in. You know, we want to come and listen and go. And we love like shaking you up and, you know. There's a few of you I love to watch during meet and greet. It's so fun for me. And it takes every fiber of my being to not go after you and make you feel uncomfortable. Because I love that. But we've been doing, um, we've just been walking through our vision. And I know, you know, I know that as we grow as a church, some of these things will change when we learn how to do stuff. You know, we're... We're all just growing, you know, so community transformation, learning how to do that for us is listening how God wants us to do it. It's not just reading a book and doing it, you know, so this is as much as we got for what we know God's calling us to do. So last week we asked you guys a question I thought was really interesting. Which one of these do you feel like you connect with best? Um, And for most of you, you have a good idea, but I just want to go through really quickly. Living in love is this idea that we fall in love with each other and do life together. Disciple making disciples is, I feel, the best way to model if you're a successful church. It's not how big you are, it's our people being discipled and going out into the world. And then we have community transformation, and it's this idea of going out to do good in our city, building bridges to people and businesses and, and helping more than just this. And then word, worship, prayer is exactly what it's in. And this is the one we're in right now. We're in word, worship, and prayer. And it's just kind of the simple, yeah, that should be up on your walls, but it's really important. So last week, we did a thing where I asked, which do you connect with best? And it was really split. I thought it was really interesting. This week, I wanted to ask, which one do you feel is the most foreign? Like, if I were to ask you to lead that charge, you'd be like, I'm going to a new church. 
So we'll just go around, and if it's you, raise your hand if you feel like this would be the hardest for me to grasp. Does that make sense? So we'll start with living in love. If that's, that, if that's the one that you that's like, wow, how do I do that? Raise your hand. Thank you, Jordan. <laughs> he is over team love. <laughs> so it was either going to be connections or romance ministry, so we went with connections. That's awesome and honest and awkward. Thank you. Our one person is over it. Okay, disciple-making disciples. Nice. That's honest. That's good. What about word, worship, and prayer? Nice. So there's still like more than half of you, which must be community transformation. (laughs) Okay. That's good. It's good to know. We're getting ready. Our job is not to say, you become awesome at this, it's, it's to hear and listen, Lord, how have you brought our body together? You know, it's really interesting to see how, how blended we are. But these are the elements we feel like are big, and we want you to know how to explain it to people where in six months if you walk in and you have a buddy and he's like, what is li- living in love? And you can just be like, yeah, let's, let's walk through this together. So, but today we're going to jump right back into word, worship, and prayer. And I want to read this to you, I didn't read it last week. So, it's not about you guys, it's about that. So. <laughs> word, worship, and prayer. The ways we consistently make space for Christ are through the spiritual disciplines. Whether in our corporate space or in our homes, the spirit is creative. So the methods may change, but we believe these three streams bring life to the corporate body and to the individual. So true. And I think if you meet anybody that's grounded in those three things, you kind of instantly know it, you know. And last week we talked about word and we spoke from John 1. And there's so much in this passage that I wanted to preach two weeks from it. So I'm going to read the whole passage again. It's 18 verses to you in a second. But as we start, I just want to recap. Last week we talked about how Jesus provides this window for us. He's labeled as Word in John 1. So Jesus is the Word. The Word became flesh. The Word was in the beginning. The Word was God, with God. We talked about how even before written Word, will you hand me that please, Sarah, that Bible? Even before this existed, word in in spiritual form. So a good way to, I think, look at the word is, and this is what we talked about, this is Jesus. It's not powerful outside of Jesus. So just understanding it, knowing it, and even obeying the word without knowing that it's Jesus and that's who it is, isn't really all that important. In fact, it can be dangerous. And so we talked about how when Jesus came, he provided this window that we could be like, you remember I like gave you the illustration of like all throughout time, we've seen God as this like a little bit angry, he's going to destroy our foes, he's going to be vengeful, he's going to do things to whole nations, and then Jesus comes and we get to look through and see this side that we did not know existed, which is things like beauty and things like the Father has always been loving, Jesus was always with him. God didn't create Jesus. Jesus was always there. So these aspects we couldn't see until Jesus were there. And so this week, we're going to jump right back in. But I want to ask you a question right off the bat that you have to interact with. Don't say it out loud. I'm not looking for somebody to run up here and be like, just want you to interact with yourself. What is your view of the word? So let that question just land on your brain. What is your, take away all what you should say. Take away all the things you learned in Sunday school that you know are the appropriate things that you just got to say, you know, all the things that we know, it's sharper, all this stuff. It's sharper than a two-edged sword, you know, it's what I stand on, you know. 
take away all that. What, what, when you walk up to it, wherever it is, whether it's in your quiet time, with your family, or when I open it, what's your view of it? What, what do you come to the table with that's there before? What's, what's there? You know, because I think a lot of people want people to preach about how nobody reads the Bible anymore and nobody cares, you know. All these young kids, they don't care anymore. They just, they just want to do what they want to do and they don't read the Word, you know. Like, we've all heard the argument. I've said the argument. I've been guilty of the argument. But to me, I feel like I want to set it up like this. I think people have viewed it wrong and not wanted it. And so you need to interact with where you stand with how you view the Word because it'll directly relate to how you view everything. So when you open this book, is it a reminder of an angry lady that in Sunday school called you out and made you feel like a moron? Is it a reminder of the weight that you know that you can't carry just being in this room right now? For some of you, is it just a place that reminds you how terrible you are, you know? Do you, do you open this and view that this way? Is the word for you a set of rules? Is it law? And is it always demanding from you performance? When you open it, is your first initial reaction, I have got to do this? Is that the initial beginning? Because if it is, you're going to struggle. You already are struggling. I don't have to convince you. You're already struggling. I had a, had a teacher in, at Lee University. I shouldn't have been at Lee. I'm not going in. My, I always say that. I don't want to go into my testimony. I always do. Um, I shouldn't have been at Lee. Really was terrible at school. Awful, awful at school. Hated school. I mean, all the way back from when I was a kid, I was always the student that the, the teacher picked on because I didn't want to be there and they could feel it, you know? And like, so teachers made fun of me. I have stories that are so embarrassing and humbling and painful. A lady in second grade, man, she, oh, I forgive her. But my mom doesn't. She still remembers her name. She doesn't. I remember being at um, Lee University and I was wearing Abercrombie and Finch. You know, because I like the girls that wear Abercrombie and Finch. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Um, and I had a, had a teacher who was, te- I think he was teaching Romans. And I was wearing it and like, I, did, I, I hated even environment at Lee. I hated being in a classroom. I just hated it. And he called me out and stinking class and said you realize what you're wearing and he listed all these things that support like all these terrible things and I'm like and he's wearing Tommy Hilfiger I'm like what's going on bro I thought about this like seven years later literally it took me that long I was like that was my in that would have not been good but I just remember like that reaffirmed this view of school that was like terrible for me to get through Lee University was a miracle. It took me five years and every bit of that and not all of it was legitimate. I'm just going to be honest. There's some things in there that maybe be <laughs> So, view's still terrible. Go to seminary. I really go to seminary because I'm just not ready to be an adult. Honestly, that was, I needed to be around human adults that I could interact with and not do stupid stuff. So I joined seminary and two years in is the first time I meet a teacher who, when I'm in her class, I talk about her all the time, I'm in her class, and she reads the sign. She sees, this guy does not want to be here. He's trying to get a grade and graduate. And she somehow, like, pulls me in and reaffirms me. I teach my first sermon in her class, and I'm flipping my pen the whole time because I'm nervous. 
And, and at the end of teaching the sermon in this horrible atmosphere, you, the st- other students get to critique you, which is like, oh, God, this is awful. So one of the guys is like, he was flipping his pen the whole time. You can't do that. And she, like, came to bat for me like that. She was like, did you hear what he did, though? And the teacher went around the whole seminary that day talking about, you should have seen what Josh did. It was the first time that I felt like the other end of the spectrum of school came at me and pursued me and saw value in me. And it changed from that point on. Like, I think, I'm just being honest, what I love to do now is probably directly related to this human in some way, noticing something in me for the first time. It felt like I was pursued and valued before I I deserved it. And guys, like, I don't know if you want your pastor telling you stories of what your pastor did, but I did not do seminary things when I started seminary. I was a drug-addicted fool all through my childhood, and it took me time, you know, it took me time to realize the goodness of God. I want to be like, all of a sudden I was holy and acceptable, and all of a sudden I was righteous. I was not. It was a season of many mistakes, many mistakes, and it took people that would gather around me and speak things into me that I knew were not true, but would be true. Does that make sense? So here's my view of the word. Many of us approach this word And it's a little bit like my teachers growing up. It's like always telling us these things we already know about ourselves. I know I'm not a good student. I don't want to be here. You know, and not many of us see it as the way that teacher saw me. Do you know that the word pursues you first? Do you know that? It's pursuing you. It's not waiting for you to perform what it wants. That comes out differently. It's pursuing you. Not just metaphorically and beautifully for somebody to say. It's coming after you. Hide your kids. It's going to find you. None of of you guys really know my stuff. It's okay. So today I just pray, you know, like, why, John, are you writing this, you know? He's trying to change the way a whole nation views something. He's basically saying to them, you view it wrong. Okay, and you can't continue to view it that way and be what I'm asking you to be and follow this guy Jesus that's coming. You have to know right off the bat, you view it wrong. I'm not looking at all you and saying all of you view it wrong, but I am saying you gotta look at how you view it because he's trying to talk a whole group of people into changing and he's trying to trade something with them. He's trying to give them something better for what they have. He didn't come to say, here's, kind of a, here's, here's a different option for you. You, know, you, can do the, you can do the law way where you follow it to the T and fail, or you can do it the Jesus way. You can just choose, you know, whichever one you want to do, both will lead you to the, to the family of God. That's not what he's saying. He's saying this old way is incomplete, where you obey everything and perform, and I accept you because of it. That's incomplete. So much so that Matthew 5, 17, you'll read it in a minute, he came to fulfill the law. He came to not say the law was bad, but to say thank you for that grace for a season, but here's a new grace, grace upon grace. Here's a new grace that is now the only option. This idea of you working to achieve what I've given you will not work anymore. And the way that you know you're doing it is do you feel the weight? Do you walk around with a weight that you're not supposed to carry? Or do you feel the freedom of Jesus carrying that weight for you? (laughs) Stuff falls down. (laughs) Be awesome. You know, it's a trade that I think is beautiful and almost unbelievable. My daughter always tries to trade with my son, Noah, and my son is just not like, his top five strengths would not be like, 
he would, he's not going to like hammer out like IQ scale stuff. I know that about him. I don't care about that. I love who he is. He's the sweetest little boy on the planet. So Lathy's like got a monopoly, monopoly $100 bill, and he'll, she'll be like, I know that's a, $10, a real $10 bill that Noah has, and he loves to give his money away. He just, he wants to find people, here's money, Daddy. Let me buy this food, Daddy. So he'll like try and, Lathy will approach him in his, and Lathy's awesome, guys. <laughs> she really is. Alethea is awesome. She's sensitive. She's caring. She's so outgoing. But she owns Noah. <laughs> She'll be like, here's a $100 bill, Monopoly money. I'll give you this for your $10 bill. He's like, oh my gosh, that's so awesome. And Lathy's like, <laughs> This is not that kind of trade. You're not being tricked into. But it should sound so good that you have to think about it. If you've not had the moment yet with the word where it sounds too good to be true, you really haven't interacted with it. It's so good to be true, it's a little bit like, that's probably Monopoly money, but it's not, and it's actually way better. That's the way we we approach it. So why is John writing this? To change for a better trade. So the Hebrews way of looking at scripture up to this point was, here's my duty. It's really about self-preservation. I'm going to do this so I don't die or so I don't get swallowed up by flames or so that you don't put me outside the camp. It's kind of a fear-based religion, a fear-based book at this point. They all attest to it. They all live by it, have for centuries. They're the chosen people. That's, that's their predisposition to this conversation. This is something I'm going to follow because if I don't, God will smite me or whatever. Okay. To the Greek also being spoken to here, they don't have a predisposition. They don't know. This is what's crazy to me. He comes to his own people, which you'll read in a minute. His own people do not receive him. Those who are built and founded in the word or the law do not want him. But those who do not know him and hear the goodness of it, they all want him. So it spreads to all the, and I'm a little upset about that. Like, God, these are your people. Why are you making it so hard for them? And he still goes after his kids. He's always going after his kids, always coming at them with grace and always not believing it's good enough, always not believing that could be for me. You know, the, you know just think about, I'm, I'm kind of freestyling, but that's okay. Think about John the Baptist, you know, the, these brood of vipers that show up to tell him that he is not who he says he is. He's not the one preparing the way for a Messiah. He's just an evil man that lives in the woods. Think about this whole group of people who are supposed to be the followers of the law, looking for Jesus, not wanting Jesus to come, you know, because their system that they had set up had become livable and doable because they were on the top end of it. When you're on the bottom end of it, it's terrible, you know? So I'm going to stop right there, and now I'm going to read a passage of Scripture. Amen? Amen. All right, John 1, 1 through 18. I'm going to go through the whole thing again. Please open your word. If you do not have a Bible, we will give you one eventually. We don't have them here yet, but we will have plenty. They're in your phone. There's a Bible app called The Bible. Is that what it's called? What's the main one from Life Church? Who does not have a Bible app? Raise your hand. Okay, it's called. It's no, it's not Bible Gateway. It's an app. Okay, raise your hand if you're familiar with apps. Okay, the Bible. Bible app. It's the one that comes up. I'll help you download it. It's not. Do you have a smartphone? as he's like I hate you (laughs) sorry so I just think it's good to have it have it on you you know bring it with you so I'm going to read to you John 1 1 through 18 and here it is follow along with me up here in the beginning was the word 
and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only to witness to the light. And here's this week's passage. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that was, which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Very new concepts, just right. This is not something that would have been like, oh, yeah, yeah, He's coming with grace and truth. Very new, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of a grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is the closest relationship with the Father has made known to him. Father, we just, I guess we just need to say thank you that the word became flesh, you know. Just for a moment, each of us just in some way let that settle in. And go ahead and set our hearts up. If you need to clean our slate from what we thought we knew to be true, that condemned us continually, go ahead and wipe that board clean. I just, I picture that for you guys. Just for a moment, keep your eyes closed. That the the hand of the Father, you know, that He right now is wanting you to see truly what He came to do. And He's going to have to erase some of it for you to receive it. Because it's going to be too good to be true. It's going to seem like blasphemy to some because how can you not earn it? And it's going to feel like freedom to a captive and you're going to start doing crazy freedom kind of stuff. You'll live for the first time. You'll know what it's like to be a son who doesn't have to earn anything, but just be a part of the family. And so today, do that for us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. I'm going to drink some water. Is that okay with you guys? All right. Everybody just touch somebody next to you in an appropriate way. Just tell them, you're almost through all of this. Only about an hour and a half left. You're going to get there. It's going to be easy. So I love the way when he's trying to start and and reset their beliefs, this is the way he does it. He starts by saying, Jesus is coming as a light and as creator. And to me, I'm baffled a little bit why they didn't jump all in right here. They couldn't see it. And again, there's a view that's in place that has to be changed. But there's a group of people who believe And in believing, receive him 
and become children. Right on the spot. And that's the Greeks. And so I want to read you a passage really quick. This is Romans 1, 19 through 20. Since, we, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what, what has been made, so that people are without excuse. What this is trying to say is, as this light comes, you'll start to look around when He comes, and you'll start to notice that He's already been there. Okay, This is a big thought that you need to get. You'll start to look at brother. You'll look at Steve and say, this could, this could be a big jump for some of you. The Greeks said yes to this, but you'll look at Steve and say, Steve is, is God's word. How is Steve God's word? Because he spoke Steve into existence. You'll look at tree, beautiful tree and sky and say, that's God's word. Does that make sense? Because those things came about because he said sky. Does that make sense? Are you with me? So, a group of people will see him come and see this, and some won't. But the Greeks saw it, and they had an aha moment and a light bulb moment, and they started to put the dots together. And they started to believe that he was what he said he was, and they became his. So, so what happens is the idea of fathering comes into play. And these people are invited to be a part of a family with a new father, okay? Okay. Here's where it's tough for some of us when we start talking about fathering. And we're going to have some prayer at the end for people that need prayer about fathering. Some of us are so confined with our views of what our father has been that to see Jesus as real father, spiritual father, father of us, it's, it doesn't even compute because we haven't seen a scale of what he's trying to show yet. Does that make sense? Some of us come to the table and the only thing that we have in our minds about him is what we think about our own fathers. And so we have to actually see Jesus. So these people see Jesus, they receive Jesus, and in receiving Jesus, believe in his name, what it says here. And that's not just a verbal, I'm not just verbally ascending, I believe in Jesus' name, but it's to say I believe in his character. So what he wants you to know is there's a new character that's available to you, and it's in three things. And this is, I think, for me, when I sit down to read the word, if I, if I remember to do this, and this is the beautiful thing about if you remember to do it. The proximity you are to Jesus when you're starting to read the word can be whether or not you're reading it as law or reading it as life. And I know for me, when I'm, I'll just be honest with you, recently it's, it's been like I've been a little too busy with things and I've, I've distanced myself in Jesus in my pace of life. And so I just want to accomplish. And in those seasons where I distance myself from him, when I pick up his word, it feels more like something I don't want. But when I go slow enough at a pace that Jesus creates for us, at a pace where I recognize that he's leading, he's father, I'm his, I'm comfortable in his family, when I read this, I think three things happen, and they're happening here. The word is pictured, and the most astounding statement of maybe of the New Testament is given, and it's the whole reason this book is written. The word became flesh. And it says that to say, the word changed what it was, became what you are, and came after you. And it came to show you the glory, which is the word for Shekinah. Will you just say Shekinah? Some of you guys are like, yes, that's what we need, Shekinah. Somebody's ready to run through the halls. Shekinah is the dwelling presence of God. You're for the first time able to see a father. This is what this means. It's different than what you thought. 
I'm sending a dad to you that will come after you, that will come into your life, that will approach you. Many of you don't even have that in your brain. You don't have that, that reference. I'm sending one who's becoming like you. It's a little bit like the teenage son, this is my story, drug addicted, all over the map, having my dad, who's right here, come after me, pray with me in the mornings, accept me even when I was so unacceptable. I was such a disgrace to our family and, and, and not who I am and the way I was with everybody. The word becomes flesh and comes after you and dwells in you. It's this whole new idea. In fact, there's scriptures written about it. Can you go to the next passage, please? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love. It's this idea, this characteristic, these things about a father that we've always wanted to see but never knew how to do. He sends him into your life to dwell with you. The word is that. Was spirit, became word, became flesh, to come and dwell. And it comes in two ways. It comes as grace. And this is a new thing. And the ideas behind grace here, it's in contention with law, works. And it's basically two ideas. It's one idea. It's an undeserved act of pure love. This is what it means. It's an undeserved act of pure love, what's happening here. And also, it's the idea of beauty and the beautiness of Jesus. Not just the Old Testament understanding of a vengeful God. It's coming at you and you have to receive it as a gift and you have to receive it as something that you don't deserve. Here's the contention with those of us who love the word and want to live by it because maybe we found out on Thursday night our personality types are good at following rules. You know, maybe you walk into my office and you see my list of 15 things that I'm going to do and I'm going to do them. Maybe some of us are predisposed to want to follow the law because it fits into our framework, but it doesn't work. Maybe, maybe we never saw it like this before, you know? Maybe, maybe you've been in churches your whole life, and you still don't even get grace. Maybe you've existed in bodies of believers, and you still haven't received it as something you can't earn. Maybe Jesus wants to walk up to you right now, Maybe he's walking up to you right now and he's totally ripping up the script that you had and he's saying, calm down and sit down. I have to show you what you don't know. And then maybe he says, you're going to see beauty for the first time. You're going to see this creation as my word. You're going to see that other man is not evil and that the world is not necessarily evil. You're going to see that every one of you are children of God. Every one of you are created in the image of Christ. You're going to be able to approach brother or sister or person who doesn't believe in Jesus and actually love them. You're going to be able to approach the world in a new way. But it has to come undeserved. And then this is the big thing. He's truth. Jesus is, the, you know, this could, man, I could make people mad at me in this whole understanding of the word. But, you know, this is truth, but Jesus is, is better than even this. This is only as important as Jesus is. Somebody's going to be like, I'm going to call my dad today and ask him because my pastor said something that was not right. Listen to me. The only reason this is important is because it's about Jesus. You remove Jesus from this, it is just historical book. It is not beautiful anymore. This book is important because it would point us to Jesus. 
If you use this in any other way than to point people to Jesus, stop immediately. Don't do it ever again. You're not helping him. You're not helping John or John, John the Baptist or John the writer. Because the first thing they talk about in John 1 is Jesus is bigger and better than you think. You've known the word, this is better. If you can look at Scripture this way, everything about your existence will change. The weight you feel right now, the weight, the piercing weight that you feel right now, the uh uh-oh weight can be gone if you look at it the right way. This is Jesus. He became flesh. He wanted to dwell with you. Like this greatest daddy, he wanted to dwell with you. I want to be with you, buddy. Like, I want to hang out with you. Let's go do the stuff you like to do. You want to color? Let's color. No, I wanted to color this morning. I didn't because I had to study. I blame you guys. (laughs) You want to go ride around and look at trees? Let's do it. You like to sing in your car? I want to hang out with you today. You're feeling terrible right now because you've done stupid human things and you're guilty. I'm coming to be with you and I'm going to spend time with you. I'm not running away until you fix it. I'm going to sit with you. That's the greatest thing about my dad is I could literally tell him anything. I just shot somebody, dad. I love you, buddy. He'd be like, we can fix it. That's literally my, that's why he's an awesome dad, you know, and there's nothing I can do wrong, you know. He gives me truth. I mean, when I'm, I share things with him that, that I, my sin, my, my nastiness, my reality, and he, there's, I don't think there's anything I could say, you know. He want when I'm that, he's most that, you know what I'm saying? And we're, and we're still trying to serve this guy that when we're our best self, he's our God, you know. It's the best part of him is when you're your worst self, he's, he's your God. That's the best part of Jesus, that's why he says, I'm sending, God says, I'm sending my most beloved to you for this. That's what he is. And then he sends, it's grace and truth, but God's truth is not just a tool. It's not a two-edged sword to cut people in half with. It's this beautiful scalpel, you know, to do work on ourself. And the scalpel's for healing. You know, I, that's the way I view the word. It's surgery that, it's spiritual surgery that is going to be loving and make me stronger and whole. And at times it's going to be painful, but it's going to always be for my benefit. You know? And it's never full of condemnation. Whenever I read this word and it's full of condemnation and I feel like I want to run, I'm not approaching it correctly. I need to close it, go pray, Jesus cleanse me, let me understand what you've done, and then come approach it again. And then when I feel that it wants to dwell and it's, it's piercing me and it's, it's, it's designed to dwell in me and it's coming at me in grace and I need to make sure that I understand I can't deserve it. There's nothing I can do to deserve it. And if I approach it that way, then the truth, which is Jesus, and it's not Jesus' words, it's his every moment, his every movement, his every action. From the beginning, he's been truth. So much so that when we live truth, speak Jesus correctly, people don't see us. They see the truth in us, which is him. And I love how John here's like, listen, I'm telling you about a guy that's coming. It's not me. I've struggled with this before. James is going to struggle with this. People who stand before people, people like to honor them too much. People also dishonor them plenty. Don't hear me not saying that. I'm not looking for people to be dishonorable to me. I'm just saying, I'm just a dude. We're all just dudes and chicks. <laughs> the dude is very all-encompassing. But I feel it. You know, I, I can feel when I'm around somebody that's like over-honoring me. And it makes me uncomfortable. 
It does. It makes me uncomfortable because there's a chance that they might think I'm more important than I am when it's Jesus that my whole life is supposed to be pointing to. And if my whole life isn't pointing to Jesus, my whole life doesn't, I don't want my life to just point to the word. Because most people don't understand the word as Jesus. The word is flesh, the logos. They don't understand that. If my life isn't pointing to Jesus, I'm not doing it correctly. Because he is where they find what they need. And it's your job to show people Jesus. And it's your job to show people Jesus. And it's not your job to find out, to, to get on Facebook after this complete, awful, horrendous situation happens this week and talk about how we need the death penalty right now. Because Jesus would be standing there right next to me being like, yeah, we probably need to kill that guy, don't we? That's not our job. Our job is to be Jesus to everyone. We're the ones when no one has a place to run, we're the place they run to. The person that deserves to be punished and is guilty, you're the one they should have a place to run to. Because Jesus is that for you even before you knew it. See, Jesus came to say, I'm coming at you and you do not deserve it and people won't understand it and then that's what you become. And when you become that and you give to people what they don't deserve and you live Jesus, they see him. But as soon as you start to give people what they deserve, you become the Old Testament law. You become something that can't be accomplished and cannot be fulfilled, but only through one, which is Matthew five seventeen. He came to fulfill the law. And that means that all eyes throughout history have to shift now on Jesus. And Jesus' whole message is not about domination. It's about submission. His whole message is not about, I'm better than you, I'm less than you. His whole message is not about, you need another figurehead, it's, you need less figureheads. (laughs) His whole message isn't about, how do I get my blessing right now? It's, how do I give a blessing right now? That is the word. If you read it that way, you can give it that way. People who don't love Jesus should fall in love with churches. They should walk in and feel like, I have finally found family, and they should be terrible people because we're all terrible people who found the love of Jesus. That is what he's trying to do, guys. We're not trying to create like this really pretty room. We're pretty people. We're trying to create people who love people like Jesus. That's the whole point. And this word, listen, do we need to read it more? Yeah, I think we need to read it more. We do. We can't be idiots, guys. Even those of us who love the prophetic, who believe that it's active and alive, I do. I believe it's alive. I believe God speaks to me at times for other people, and it draws them to Jesus. I believe that. But especially if that's me, I better be in this because some stupid stuff starts coming in. I start wanting things that aren't from him, I start saying things that aren't from him. I start leading people to other people. He's trying to get people led to him. Know this, especially if you feel like God uses you in the spirit. Know it. Know it better. Know it. Know it. You have to know this word and let it be a relationship. So that's my challenge to you today is, I'm going to ask you a few questions. I totally skipped a whole part. You guys have no idea how much time I spend on writing out things in neat letters, and I rarely ever stick to it. I spend so much time on it. <laughs> so the first grace, this is, a, this is a, just a beautiful thing, so I'm going to land on it. Grace upon grace, right? doesn't even make sense. I give you grace upon grace. The first grace was the law through Moses, and this grace was to me- deal with men and show them that the standard is righteousness. 
The second grace, now available as of 2016 years ago, is grace and truth who came through Jesus Christ, and this grace exhibits God's attitude towards humans that can't keep the law. The second grace comes upon the first grace. It's the grace you want. Does that make sense? You don't want just the grace to be righteous and accomplish the law because even the Pharisees can't succeed at that. You want the second grace, which is grace and truth to you, which is belief in Jesus. That's, that's the whole gospel. That's everything. Believe in Jesus. Galatians 4, 7. Can you pull this up, please? I'm getting, I'm getting close, guys. That's, um, there it is, right there. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. In a household, we don't have slaves. Biblical times, they did. It's one of those Old Testament things to me that does not make sense. I don't agree with slavery, of course. But in a household, who has more power? A slave or a son? Who has more right? Who's not concerned when they wake up if they're going to be kicked out because of their performance? I can tell you who is concerned. A slave. Moses came, part one, as a slave for the law to bring it to us. This is a new work, and it even says here in John, and I'm going to read it to you. Out of his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. It's already been given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. This new grace, this new understanding, that's what's here now. So the question for you, I'm getting close. This has been a quick one, kind of. Back to the beginning. What's your view of the Bible? Let's fast forward a little bit. What's your view of Jesus? What's your, let that settle for just a moment. Don't rush to get out of here right now. Don't, don't think about the bathroom. Don't think about the coffee. How do you view Jesus? Are those two the same? Your view of the word and your view of Jesus. If not, you need to have a wedding ceremony right now. And you need to perform a marriage between the two. That doesn't even make sense. But they need to come together. And you need to bring the word over to Jesus. Does that make sense? Because Jesus in his fullness is what the word is about. And if you don't see the word as much as you love Jesus, it's not being read correctly. Listen to John and John. That's who's in this passage. John the Baptist and John the writer. They're always trying to over-magnify Jesus. Over, I've never met someone who's too Jesus, you know? You never, there's not gonna be, you're not going to accuse anybody of being too focused on Jesus. You're a little bit too focused on Jesus, care. You want to calm down a little bit. It's not possible. The more focus on Jesus, the better. There are plenty of us that create a spirituality that's void of Jesus. It has to do with receiving multiple blessings that make me better. But you're never going to be confused if you have too much Jesus. They, first chapter in John, Jesus be bigger, Jesus be bigger, Jesus be bigger. He's got to be bigger. Jesus be bigger. He's not like us. Jesus be bigger. In your life, Jesus has got to be bigger. He's got to be bigger than he is right now. However big he is in your mind, God wants you to have a bigger understanding that he is everything. Does that make sense? So when you open his Bible and you read it correctly, it's Jesus pursuing you. It's him gracing you, and he is truth. As a father, 
He's a father, and you're in the new family. And so here's what I'm going to challenge you with today. James, if you can go ahead and come up. We're going to have communion. I don't know a better way to I don't know a better way to receive the grace of Jesus than through the table of the Lord. At the table of the Lord, anyone can come who's hungry, you know. I know a lot of people say a lot of different things about how you approach the table, but he sat next to someone who was about to stab him in his back and help him be killed. And he gave him the seat of most importance and loved him and served him. Unbelievable. Anyone can approach the table. Anyone can receive grace. Anyone can receive what he has for them. And so today, what I want to challenge you to do, first I want to challenge you, jump into your word. Like if we're going to do this, jump in headlong. Read it. Understand it. Pick a book. Pick a buddy. Hey, will you read this with me? Let's go through the whole thing. I'll read it with you. Not all of you. Some of you, maybe one of you. I'll read something with you. We'll go through it. Pick a buddy. Pick a book. Start jumping in. Let it become life to you. In fact, today, if you guys will go ahead and stand, we're going to close. Right before we do communion, I'm asking a question that can make some of you feel bad. I'm not doing it for that. I'm doing it for a heartfelt, awesome reason. If you know that you love the Word and love Jesus and it brings life to you, would you just please raise your hand right now? If you do not know, keep your hands up, guys. If you do not know and you need a buddy to help you see it, I'll be it, pick somebody here. Look around. Pick somebody. Look at the person that you know you connect with best and approach them after the service and start to devour it. We have to have his word. We have to have it at primal importance in our life. Then you become what he wants you to become. Secondly, if our communion teams will go ahead and, and get prepared. What I'd love for you to do as you approach the table and our prayer teams, it's going to be kind of a funneling. Once you receive communion, I'd love it if you, if you need prayer that you just join with our prayer teams. There'll be a prayer team over here and a prayer team over here. Listen, if you've never seen Jesus this way and like you just don't even want to be here, I would just ask, you can pray with me. Let's invite this Jesus to be magnified in your life. But as you approach the table, bow with me and let's pray. Father, we approach this table knowing that there's nothing about it that we deserve. And we know that your word is bread, that you are bread, that you are Jesus. So as we approach this table, we receive what only you can do. The law can't do it. But this is a body broken for us. And it has to be broken and received that way. And this is blood poured out for us. Because in it we receive what we don't deserve. Grace multiplied times two. Grace upon grace. And in this act, God, it is symbolism, but God, it's got to be more than that because you did it. So salvations, God, I pray for. Your word is life. Today, let it come alive in us. In Jesus' name, we pray. You can approach the table as you like.
So this morning during worship, um, I had a vision, and I saw a man sitting up here at the altar, and he was sitting on a chair, and there were angels around him, and there was this basin at his feet, and he had his right foot in it, and the angels were ministering to him and washing his feet, and he was kind of wincing, and it was kind of painful. And I think what the Lord was saying is he wants to minister to men who feel like they haven't been able to lead the way they're made to lead. And, um, and that foot stepping forward just symbolized that. And so, um, you know, our, our men were made to lead us. And I think um, they've been pushed down a lot, especially just in our society today. And um, so I feel like there's a grace this morning. If you feel like you haven't been able to lead the way you're made to lead or that there's been pain in that or that if the enemy has condemned you some way or there's been a relationship, whatever it is, I feel like he's wanting to minister to you and give you that strength again to stand tall and to lead your family and to lead in your life the way you're supposed to. So I'm sure and pray for that. Um, so Jesus, I pray um, just with you this morning. God, that you would minister to the fathers in the room, God. Um, God, if any of them feel like they can't lead the way they want to, or if there's some kind of hurt, Lord, I just pray that you'd minister to that, that you'd heal that place in them. Um, God, that you'd bring them into being the father and the husband that they were made to be. God, that you'd restore courage um, and confidence in them. Lord, I pray that you would lift condemnation, um, that you'd lift any shame, Lord and that you'd restore joy, God. I pray that they'd be able to lead with strength and with joy um, in, in a new way, Lord. So thank you, Jesus. So if you need, if you want to just connect and pray about that, the, the prayer teams will stay over there and be open. If not, I'm just going to pray over you, Father, that we would go today and that we would take you with us, and that we would walk with you, we would be led by you, that we wouldn't be the pilot, but we'd be the co-pilot, that you would fly and drive. We thank you for our community that we love and that you're building. Help it to be built on love. Help it to be built on your word. Go with them today. Be with the fathers. Let them enjoy this day. Thank you for everything. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.